the Inspired Teacher's Guide podcast. We are Kim Wilkins and Laura Woldridge, just two teachers trying to podcast. We are so glad that you joined us. Our goal is to help you by discussing a variety of topics that will help you as a whole. In the same way, we want to focus on the whole child. On this podcast, we will be talking in and outside the classroom. Welcome back. We are so excited about today. Laura and I have our first returning guest, Amy Thomas. Welcome back, Amy. Hi, how are y'all? We're good. We're good. We're excited about today to learn more from you. We learned so much last time. Mm -hmm. The content of today's episode is all about linking the power of composure with our own personal mental health. At the end of the podcast, we'll discuss our, I used to think, but now I know, and that discussion, we, we will use our knowledge about behavior. We'll begin this episode today by revisiting the information that we learned last week from Amy, and it was a lot. It was a lot, and it was so powerful. I have really been trying to implement what you've taught me, Amy. Kim and I have been talking, um, Kim and I have been debriefing what we've learned, and we're just going to share our top takeaways and get some of your input into that. You good with that? Okay. All right. Okay. First of all, it's Q-tip. This is really good for me. It's good for all teachers. Quit taking it personally. When kids are acting out, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's We've got to get to the root cause. So quit taking it personally. I loved that. And getting to the root cause, that discussion was huge for me because so many times I do just think, oh, they're trying to get my attention. But what you taught us is ask yourself, are they seeking connection? And I've just been practicing at home because I've not been teaching anybody in the school setting this past week. But the answer has been yes almost every time. And, you know, those are so... Because when we're in our home setting, we're just more natural and not... We don't feel like we're so on. So it's a a great place to practice. Uh, I 100% agree. I'm so glad I'm getting to practice. I don't know. Should I Should I be happy I'm practicing on my children or other children? Girl, I'll be practicing on my husband, my 25-year-old uh-huh. child. Uh, <laughs> yes. Kim, what else um, are you remembering? Um, pa- uh, practicing the pause. <laughs> practicing the pause was a big one for me. Just pausing. And, and Amy said that she talked through her pause with her daughter and said, you know, I... I'm going to have to take a minute and think about this because I'm not sure how I want to respond right now. So I, I really like that. Our friend Becky, Laura and I used to work with Becky Finley, and she used to say, turn your brain off and blink five times. So that's what I'm going to try to do. Turn my brain off and blink five times and practice that pause. And when I need to explain and say, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to think about how to respond to that right now. I will do that. That's a great trick. It is an, a great trick to try to remember. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's just we we will see our children and our students start to do those things if we are doing it. They, yes. They copy us no matter what. They do. And so we need to make sure that they're copying the good things. I've said for 30 years, teacher children take on the personalities of their teachers, and they do. Oh, that is good. That is true. Yeah. It is so true. I've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. The same teacher year after year has these kids and everybody says she always gets the good kids. No, it's the way she conducts her classroom. Yeah. Or someone says, you know, every year I just get these kids and they're so hard and so much trouble. 
Well, maybe we need to start looking at ourselves. Look in those root mm-hmm. causes. Yeah. Okay. Kim and I have been talking and we want your input on a question. So last week you said once you start using fear and intimidation or threats, you know, if not, you're going to miss your recess if whatever. Or mm-hmm. Hopefully we're not taking away recess, but that's the, that's the gist of what we're saying. If you do this, this will happen mm-hmm. in a negative connotation. So let's say that that's what I've been doing and school's been in session the past two weeks. Can I, can I switch that now that I've learned from you? Is there any hope for me this year that I can get out of that fear and intimidation zone? Absolutely. All you have to do is flip the switch. You, Thank you. <laughs> chances are you're not even going to have to really address it if you just start making that shift. You know, it's interesting that if you will stop and think about a situation where you're using fear and intimidation, you are probably in your survival state. And all we revert back to in that point is what we know. Mm-hmm. What was done for us as children, how we were disciplined, how we were raised, how the teachers disciplined the classroom, because that's what's ingrained in us. So we just have to get to that elevated level of thinking, functioning of our brain, and process through it. Now, if there is a situation where you feel like the child, maybe you have really had a lot of negative interactions within those first couple of weeks with the child or, you know, maybe even the whole classroom. It's not a bad idea to sit down and say, we have really gotten off on the wrong foot. I feel like I was under a lot of stress the first couple of weeks. I don't feel like that I responded to things or you necessarily the way I should have. I'm going to change that. And I would appreciate if you would help me along with that. I want us to be a team. I want us to communicate respectfully. And I think that there's a lot of things that you have to offer this class. You know, build them up. Identify some of their strengths and how they can contribute positively to the situation as well. Oh, and you would be modeling growth mindset so Mm -hmm. much through that. Mm -hmm. And that's, we want our students to have it. But the only way that they're really going to, what's my word, take that on is mm-hmm. for us to really model it. And we would be modeling it through that. So, And, you know, if, if they're old enough, you can ask them, how do you respond to direction? What works best for you? And that could be beneficial. Now, with younger children, we tend to have to give them the words because they don't, they're still feeling certain feelings, but they don't know how to express it. And oftentimes we have to give them the language. But if you're dealing with older children, oftentimes they can say, you know, if someone gives me an ultimatum, I'm absolutely not going to do it. You know, they can tell you, I'm not going to respond to that. Yeah, that doesn't, this doesn't work for me. They, they would probably be able to identify what doesn't work for them before they would be able to identify what would. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving us good news <laughs> because okay. there, there is always hope. All is there is always hope. Our, our year is not ruined. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. 
I have been so excited and Kim has been so excited about this wellness wheel that you're going to teach us about. And listeners, what we want you to know is we will have information in the show notes where you can look at the wellness wheel. And please, if you're driving or something like that, please don't feel like this is your only opportunity to gain this information. Um, Okay, wise one, Amy, (laughs) tell us, how can we be a well human being? (laughs) Well, uh, I'm still working on that myself. (laughs) There's always room for growth. And, um, you know, part of the my job that I have now is staff wellness. And through the pandemic and, you know, now that we're out of the pandemic, there was more stress placed on teachers and than ever before. And especially during the beginning of the pandemic, not necessarily just because of the pandemic, I was just in a place of... There's not one more thing I can add to my plate. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to really sit down and take care of myself, you know. So, but I had to look for um, program-wide ways that I could help support staff. And so I came across the Wellness Wheel. Uh, SAMHSA has a copy of it, and it describes a lot of how it's used personally and there's some program wide approaches but let me give you the eight domains of the wellness wheel first before we go any further okay um and it's just circular it doesn't there's no hierarchy it doesn't start with one area they all you know kind of are interdependent on each other. So, so you can picture a like wheel or a tire on the car, and yeah. you can't just take out a chunk of the tire and have success. Right. It all depends. Everything has to be there. Absolutely. So here's the eight. The first one is emotional. Well, I say the first one. I shouldn't say the first. One of them is emotional. Um, another one is physical intellectual, spiritual, environmental, social, and financial. And so what I did was I looked at each aspect and how could we as a program provide supports in each of those areas for our staff. And that's what we did. And we spent a year really doing that from the financial aspect. We, um, It was called The Beans, and it was an app that staff could download, and it helped budget. It helped identify how to categorize your wants and needs because, you know, we're grown people, but we still struggle with what's a want and what's a need sometimes when it comes down to it. Um. I don't know if I want Brock listening to this podcast or not. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, Brock Woodridge. (laughs) Okay, so before you go into it, I'm just thinking we as teachers can think about this as a personal, like how well we are in these, not not domains. How do we, what would you say? Well, you could say domains, areas, domains. Um, and you do have to start with one. 
If you looked at the whole wheel and you just said, I'm failing in all these areas. Well, there's no umph to make you move forward at that point. That's an elephant. And we have to do it one chunk at a time. Yeah. So I will tell you, for me personally, looking at it, I thought, well, if I'm doing this for staff, somehow I have to get some personal growth within myself. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that, honestly. I wasn't (laughs) in the mind space. It was for me like, you know, I'm surviving right now. I have two young children. I work full time. I I don't want to, you know, try to bombard myself with growth. <laughs> and I know that sounds <laughs> crazy. Serious with growth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. When I looked at it, I thought I I need all the things, and I don't know where to start. Uh, I, I think the only thing I'm well in is social. <laughs> yeah, I like to talk. Yeah, I think we're good there, Laura. Oh. Well, I did start with, um, I thought, you know, I'm not a terrible person. My whole life hadn't fallen apart. So first I'm just going to look at what I, what I do feel like I'm, somewhat successful at in each area. Okay. And oh, so good. I started with so like all your strengths in each yes. area. Okay. And maybe one of them only had one thing, one strength, or maybe I was, maybe I didn't even really feel like it was a strength, but it was a step in some sort of direction toward that. A starting point. Yes. And the there were a few of them I really didn't even focus on. Okay. Like, I, I'm going to push that aside. That's not something that I really am ready to deal with. And so I just felt like... Well, you could even though, so much. Even though inevitably I do feel like it did impact when I started getting some momentum behind one or two of them. It did impact all areas. That was not my focus. Okay. So I'll tell you personally, probably about a year and a half to two years ago. And I've told Laura this, I got a stool and I set it in front of my mirror in my bathroom And I thought, I'm just going to look at myself, speak some sort of kindness to myself, identify some strengths. Because I don't know about y'all, but mothering young children and working full time is not necessarily easy. (laughs) No joke. And I had children that really didn't sleep. So I was working full time and there were nights that I might be pulled two or three hours of sleep and uh, self-care prioritization of anything other than, you know, the bare minimum. That was what it was for me for, you know, as soon as my 
first baby turned four and a half, I had a new baby. <laughs> and so right when it got to point the point where they were a little self-sufficient, then I had another one. So <laughs> anyway, um, so when Dane probably got about three, I thought, okay, I, he doesn't quite need as much constant care. I can carve out a little bit of time for myself in the evening. And, you know, just looking at myself in the mirror and really identifying it wasn't physical aspects. It was what are, I don't know how to explain it. It's just saying hello to yourself again. Like, you know, I felt so disconnected from myself on a personal level because I was just in such a caretaker role that it really was like saying hello again. And, oh, I mean, that's true. Yeah. That's true whether you have young children or if you're caring for elderly parents or mm-hmm. you've got a sick spouse. And, and then you go yes. teach all day. And then you give your life to other people at work. And then you forget. Uh-huh. You're like, you kind of lost yourself. Yeah. And I don't really think I'd realize that until I sat down and started looking at myself and speaking to myself. And, you know, I would, I really used a lot of flipping because it's really easy to sit down and say, well, you should this or you should. And, The only rule I had for myself at that time was, what are my strengths? What am I grateful for? What are positive things about myself? And so that's what I focused on. And then Natalie says, don't shit on yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we we Marco Polo in our girlfriend group and we'll say, oh, well, I should have worked out. I should have cooked dinner. I should have. And she'll say, quit shooting on yourself. That's good. That's right. Well, which brings me to the other catalyst that I believe kind of started some of the change for me. I have a really good friend and I'm not sure we'll have to ask her why. She started this Marco Polo app. And I, at first, she and a few others would start talking. It was about a group of eight of us. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. I, it's fun to listen to other people. I'm not going to talk. And um, one of my professional goals for the last couple of years has been to public speak, to get more comfortable public speaking. So, the fact that I'm doing this podcast Ooh, is you. totally an achievement from where I was, uh, you know, I but um, it, I, I did start making videos. Laura, explain what the Marco Polo app is because people may not oh, understand. That is a great thing. Thank you, Amy. So Marco Polo is an app that you, you can video yourself just talking and you can go for a long time and you can send it to someone or to a group and then they can watch it when they want to. 
and they can respond back to you. So why did, why did you introduce that to us? Well, my college girls were getting me on it and we would talk back and forth and I miss you girls, my girlfriends, throughout the week. We see each other Mm -hmm. often, but I miss you during the week. Mm -hmm. And I just thought this was a way that we could share big things in our life or sad things in our life. And I could get some new makeup product ideas from my friend (laughs) Amy. And (laughs) that is just a communication tool, but it's really great because I can do it at my convenience. Yeah. So... When I started doing it, I felt so uncomfortable just sitting there and talking. So I would be sitting in front of my mirror where I sat, like we talked earlier, and I would say, okay, well, I like watching these people put makeup on. So I'm going to put, or, you know, maybe not makeup, maybe skincare, my serums or, you know, (laughs) moisturizers, whatever. I'm going to do that and I'm going to teach them something that I learned while I talk about whatever, whether it's something that's real heartfelt or something that just happened that day. Mm-hmm. There's actually but, a true crime girl that does that. Yeah. <laughs> I watch her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I make up the whole time. Amy, I want to be on your Marco Polo. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have to get a group going, huh? Yeah. Well, so... I started doing those videos and I would go back and watch myself and watch myself talk and realize some of my idiosyncrasies in the way I spoke or to try to improve on, not that I cared what Laura or any of my friends thought because I wouldn't have done it if I had felt any judgment and I knew that there wouldn't be any judgment surrounding that. But I started judging myself on how do I come across? How do I, how am I being received? If, if I were speaking in front of a whole group of people, what are some things I need to tweak? And so that was just another little area for growth. And look, here I am today on a podcast reaching who knows how many people. I know. <laughs> it's exciting. It is exciting. I love it that you use something personally and just you, you flipped it to help you professionally. Okay. Amy, how about this? I love that you, when you learned about the wellness wheel, you just started attacking kind of bit by bit or bits by bits, I guess I should I should say. What do you think about giving us a little bit of information about each component of the wellness wheel? And mm-hmm. then as listeners listen, they mm-hmm. can start identifying maybe some that they can start working on. Okay. Uh, and I'll give you I'll give you some examples. Okay. So physical. That is is going to be like exercising regularly, maintaining a healthy diet. But to hear that is like, I don't want to think about how I'm going to incorporate exercise and a healthy diet in my survival state right now. You know, school starting back. I'm not going to be preparing lunch and taking a well-balanced meal with me. 
I'm going to be grabbing cheese fries out of the lunchroom or whatever. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it may just be, which, you know, all the research shows that the best treatment for or prevention to of depression is exercise. Yeah. It gets your endorphins going, your dopamine. I mean, it really is powerful for the brain. But maybe you're just not in that place right now. Mm-hmm. And so what is something, whether it's just taking the stairs or something, you know, walking down the hall a couple of extra times that day and acknowledging it. It's not necessarily that we don't subconsciously do some of these things if we want to improve in an area. It's that we don't give ourselves the credit when we do do it. Mm. And so I did, you know, you can tell yourself, I did eat an apple today. And, you know, (laughs) that may catapult you into an apple and a banana tomorrow, Mm -hmm. but you have to at least acknowledge it. Oh, that's good. Intellectual, it could be reading a book, watching documentaries. Would listening to a podcast be a good one? That it would. It would because, you know, as teachers, well, any professional, you should always be a student of your profession. And you should always be looking to learn new things, broadening your horizons. So, and maybe it's not in the area of education in at the moment, just to get your spark going. What's something you can learn that you have an interest in? Mm-hmm. Um, just I learned, your brain. Yes. I learned to crochet from YouTube videos just because I felt like I needed to learn something different. And I thought there, I ha- it has to be crochet. I would never be able to knit. Well, <laughs> a year or two after I was crocheting, I was like, you know, maybe I could knit. And so I taught myself through a YouTube video on how to knit. And um, just being open and willing because it, you know, I crocheted for two years off and on before I ever even decided that maybe I could do something that I didn't think I could. Mm-hmm. It's starting something and that momentum building. Because once you identify a few successes, you, you start to build confidence in trying something new. Okay. So we've got uh, physical and intellectual. Tell us about another part of the wheel. Spiritual. Um. That could be practicing meditation. It could be prayer, self-care rituals, um, contemplating ethical beliefs or religious beliefs. Really just, you know, that existential type thought process outside of yourself. I started implementing last year during the spring semester, trying to do some guided meditations on the way home from school Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just to lower my stress level 
because it feels like during the day at school, I'm on an adrenaline push, 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 just on the go. And so I need to decompress some before I come home. And I, I would do a 10 minute guided meditation. And if I wasn't calm, I would press again and do it again. And that was very, very powerful for me. Oh, yeah. Maybe I, I need to get back. I need to get that from you because I, I tried it and I can't be still. And it is a practice. It really is difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and it is okay to redirect. And, you know, my brain may go off almost immediately after I start, but I just recognizing it and coming back. So I, I did not even think about that as spiritual wellness until you mentioned meditation. You know, and we have another friend did make an impact on my life. We have another friend that's real big into that. And I, whenever she talks about it, I immediately like, that's great for you. That would not work for me. And I still never have (laughs) really jumped on that simply because you have to make the space to do it and make the time to do it. And I just don't think about it when I have the time and the space. But I will say, Kim, for me, it is gratitude. I practice a lot of gratitude. Oh, that's good. Now that I can do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can do that. Well, I can pretty much find something I'm grateful for in every situation. And just the practice of identifying it and even saying it out loud, it it has a major impact on my life. Maybe having a positive, just having a positive frame of mind. What I'm seeing is a trend as you're sharing these domains in the intellectual. You were saying you could you could do something professional related, or you could just grow your brain in another way, and then in a spiritual area you're saying prayer meditation gratitude so there's not just one way to become well in these areas we're able to explore options and find what works for us i love that you have to personalize it or you're not it's not going to be meaningful Mm -hmm. yeah okay so we physical intellectual spiritual what's another one the next one is environmental and this is one of the areas that I do not, I, it's on the back burner okay. <laughs> because it is making your bed, staying organized, being mindful of your environment. I just am not an organized person, probably never will be. And uh, I went to a continuing ed years and years ago on executive functioning. And she said, she was talking about how you tend to have a strength in a certain area of executive functioning and that's your jam. And pretty much you're not going to totally switch away from that. Yes, you can make some improvements, but um, she said, if you have excellent working memory, you tend to have poor organizational skills. And if you have excellent organizational skills, you tend to have a poor working memory. And I have the memory of an elephant. And, and so, I have the organization skills. We're a good pair. 
yeah. I'm in trouble because I don't see either of those as my strength. <laughs> and, it, and she she did say, you know, the older you get and your memory fades some, you are going to have to implement some more organizational skills because your memory is not going to be what it used to be. And, you know, I turned 44. Did I turn 44 Friday? You do. Saturday. Oh, in a few days. <laughs> and um, I have just noticed more recently that my memory is not what it was 20 years ago. And so I have put more things in my calendar. I didn't have to use a list. I didn't have to use a calendar because all those things were ingrained in my memory. And I on a list in theory, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And so now it has, it's starting to slip some and I've got to, but you know, the other thing is, is I surround myself with excellent organized people. So, (laughs) you know, I don't have to have all the organizational skills because I got Laura in the background that has planned a list for the beach trip and everything else. I don't have to. And it's color-coded. And and enjoyed every second of it. (laughs) Yes. But I can't remember what I need when I go up the stairs. Uh Okay, so the environmental is just thinking about, like, the systems we have in our house? That or the environment with which you live. I mean, it could be the environment of what you surround yourself with or even the area you live in. Or, you know. So do we need to think about our responsibility in those different environments? What do you need to change within your environment to give you some progress in that area? If that's, if you identify that having your house spotless and organized gives you a sense of peace what are the steps that you need to take to have that is it that you need to hire a housekeeper or is it that you need to declutter and get rid of a lot of things in your environment okay the easy, I just listened to a podcast on this and the easiest, this is what I learned. The easiest way to organize is to get rid of most of what you have. Yeah. The more stuff you have, the more you have to work to keep it organized. So that is my goal. My husband and I are building a new house and we're going to move and we have mm-hmm. all God's children's, every trophy, <laughs> all the things. Uh-huh. They're getting them boxed up. Kids, if you're listening, you're getting them boxed up for Christmas this year. It's all yours. But I'm going to get rid of a lot of things. We're, we're going yeah. to just purge. This area really speaks to me, Amy. Mm-hmm. I have been working on... I, I mean, personally, I think I'm strong in this area. But as a household, I have really mm-hmm. been working on the environmental wellness because there are five people in my house. Yes. Have three busy children. There is a lot of laundry. There are a lot of toys, etc. Mm-hmm. 
And one thing I did this summer, when I went to pick up my kids from camp, I noticed in their cabins, there was a chart and it had the chores that make the cabin go smoothly. Mm -hmm. And each person, those responsibilities were divided out over the week. And I took a picture of that and came home and made us a little chart. I'll put it on uh, the show notes, listeners. But it has, everyone is playing a part in our environment. And it doesn't take long. But that has has made our household, I think, environmentally much more well. And it took a lot off you. Oh, because you were trying to do it all. And, or I'm angry about it not happening. Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I I love that one. Okay. Um, Talk to us about another domain. Okay. Well, another one is social. Okay. Uh, Connecting with friends and family, contacting someone you haven't spoke with recently, um, reaching out to your support network. Some of that is if you don't have one, establishing one you know laura a lot of people don't necessarily have what we have and and i'm very grateful for you girls and it you know it's important that you build that sisterhood for support Mm -hmm. Um, your people and that's why i think technology us in 2023 you know you may not be teaching with a group of teachers who are kind to you, and I'm so sorry, or that you just feel comfortable being vulnerable with. But there mm-hmm. are forums where you can meet other third grade teachers. Right. Yeah. And, and, and find some connection. Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, you're not the only one out there that has a personality or traits that other people wouldn't love to experience. I mean, there are. There is a tribe for you out there, and some of it's just being willing to get out there and find mm-hmm. one yeah. and being a little vulnerable. Um, you know, it's the connecting with yourself and others, and that's where I've always had y'all, but there was a period of time that I didn't real, really feel connected to myself. And so, you know, that's where that mirror work kind of came into play for me and had such a positive impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, social, it does require a level of vulnerability. And, you know, the reason people don't like to be vulnerable is because of rejection, fear of rejection. What if they think something's wrong with me? What if they don't agree with me? And, you know, some of that's just being able to trust yourself to move on if it doesn't work out yeah. with with that person, that situation, that group of people. Um, it doesn't mean that you're flawed. Maybe that's just not the people that you're going to gain support from. Mm-hmm. Those are not your people. Yeah. There are other people that you can be around. That's right. I just... You know, that work on vulnerability, our girl, Brene Brown, she is such a good researcher and communicator about vulnerability. I was Mm -hmm. talking to one of my former students just this week, and we were talking about 
you know, at the first day of school, getting the kids to communicate with you about what works for them to learn and what doesn't Mm -hmm. work for them to learn. And she Mm -hmm. said that she just had her students fill out a note card and she just encouraged them to put five things put down five things that I need to know to help you learn better. And she Mm -hmm. said last year she got a lot of surface level stuff, Mm -hmm. but a few students went deep. And she said, do you think I should model that, you know, with my students? And she gave an example of, you know, when she, she needed to use the bathroom and if she needed to use the bathroom during class, if the teacher wouldn't let her or she was scared to ask, that's all she thought about. She couldn't right. think about the math. And so she said, I'm thinking about sharing that with my students. She was like, is that too much? And I said, no, no. You know, that being vulnerable, no. which I'm that this is an area that I think I, I excel in in my teaching. Maybe I, I can work on in other areas. But I think that just pays off with your students when you are vulnerable and you do show them that you're human. Right. And, you know, I think. For teachers, they think if I'm vulnerable, I'm going to lose control of the classroom. Vulnerability and boundaries are two totally different things. And just because you're vulnerable about a situation or express how you truly feel about something doesn't mean that you sacrifice your boundaries in the process. That is good Good talking, Amy or Amy Thomas. I always call her by her main name. <laughs> Um, And we talked a little bit about financial um, and then emotional. Okay. This is where I have a feeling I need to work on. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to give you better news than you think because we always tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves about the emotional aspect of things. But I learned about a term when I was studying some of this and it is called time of affluence white space is what's in parentheses and what that is is having time for things i need and want to do sufficient time for ourselves has to be cultivated we are material we are a materially affluent society but a time-deprived society. Research shows that material wealth outside of basic needs and comforts does not provide or predict happiness and well-being. Time affluence does, Mm -hmm. as it allows us time to relax, pursue and savor pleasures, and nurture the relationships that matter the most. White space is like unstructured time where... You are not, no one is dependent on you. You're not having to perform. You're not having to do anything. It's the time that, you know, maybe you're sitting on the couch doing nothing or, um, and then we tend to beat ourselves up about that because we should have been more productive. (laughs) Periods of not being productive actually support your creativity more. It allows innovation to happen, and it allows time for your ideas to marinate. Hmm. I've heard that about children, that when they're bored, when they have time to be bored, that's when they get creative, and that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. Then they, have, they, they start to think of other things. 
And we don't allow ourselves that. No, we don't. Yeah. We'll pick up our phone or do Mm -hmm. something to fill in that space. Yeah. So me staring at the lake is a good thing. It is a good thing for your emotional well-being. Okay. How much time do we need to spend doing that? Do you have (laughs) as much time as it takes? That's good. As much as it takes. That is, I really like that. We have to, we do have to stop expecting ourselves to be so productive all the time. We do. My little type A tries to stay away from that. Mm -hmm. Oh, Amy. We do travel often, but. Tim will say, honey, can you not just sit down and chill out and just relax? Mm -hmm. You just need to relax. Mm -hmm. I'm terrible at that. Mm -hmm. Is reading a book relaxing? Is that white space? If it is for you. I mean, I would probably not say that, you know, a murder mystery or coding (laughs) or something like that would... I'm, I don't know. The murder mystery might intrigue me, but um, coding or mathematics would not be how relaxing <laughs> for me. You know, but Laura finds great joy and relaxation in books. She has a summer book list. Mm. I know. I like chick lit. I like mindless, just maybe a little mystery to it, but nothing that's too hard to solve. Like just a real calm, no pressure mystery. <laughs> so that. Okay, that's supporting our emotional wellness. Our emotional wellness. I'm starting to get, get my things confused. Okay, I think we just have one more, right? Occupational. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have covered them all. Is that right? Our, yes, professional, occupational. You know, what are some things, areas that you either want to progress in identifying if you're happy where you are if if there's something different you can do professionally you know a lot of times we start thinking we're trees and that we can't move and we can yeah you know we're in the same position we can still make some changes and and move and grow right right you know the last thing that you want to do for yourself, and it will impede every aspect of wellness, is getting stuck and feeling stuck and feeling like that you can't make some changes within your life, within your profession, within your relationship status, you know. And when you start finding an area that you're you get some growth in, it does give you the confidence to tackle the areas that you don't necessarily think that you're going to be successful at. Hmm. And we can get areas that we might feel stuck in. We can start to see a little movement. Uh huh. Yes, because all of these areas are so interdependent on each other that if you make some progress in one area, you're going to see progress in other areas unintentionally Uh I can I can just start to see where I could draw arrows like if I Mm -hmm. did this then it would affect this yes Um, I I think so too if you're working if you're working to um, improve your intellectual 
wellness that could bleed over into your professional occupational Mm -hmm. wellness, or it might bleed into your social. social. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The more tips you learn about skincare, that's good. (laughs) That is impacting our social group. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, Amy. So you recommend starting this on a personal level? Well, that's the only thing you can control is the personal level. I work for a program that I had the freedom and the resources to implement this on a program level, but don't wait for your school to implement it for you. You know, (laughs) I loved your tip about taking each one of these areas and then listing some things that you already have a strength. Mm -hmm. You know, you've already got that going Mm -hmm. on and then thinking about what, what's a minor tweak that Mm -hmm. I could do to enhance my wellness, enhance my wellness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think I could also do this for my classroom? Yes. I think it would be great to hang it up in your classroom. Um, SAMHSA.gov, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration. Um, Is that SAMHSA? SAMHSA. HSA. Okay, we'll link that. Let me, let me say it correctly. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. It's www.SAMHSA.gov. Okay. S-A-M-H-S-A dot gov. And you can find a step-by-step guide to wellness on that website that you can download. It's called Creating a Healthier Life, a Step-by-Step Guide to Wellness. And it will go into depth about each one of these aspects. <clears throat> Creating balance. Um Valuing routines and habits, um, you know, and then how to improve. It'll give you a chart on some examples and questions of areas maybe you need to look at within physical activity. Um, And it gives you a blank chart to write it down and do it yourself if you want to. And it goes through each area. So intellectual wellness, emotional wellness, um, Type that in and print. Don't worry, I will. That is exciting. We will Uh will link that step by step guide in the show notes to listeners. Okay, so I'm thinking, you know, I will. I can do this for myself. I can think about my classroom. And man, what you're saying is, you know, we can only control what we can. And Mm -hmm. but I just think if we really attacked these on a personal level and tried to start informing our classrooms and our students, we could, I see why it's called the wellness wheel. I think so too. Mm-hmm. And I think when we are, we are well and complete, we're just better at working with kids and responding to them and working with our peer groups. And I just think we're better all around people when we take care of ourselves first. Mm-hmm. I so wish I would have known this when I was teaching those college students <laughs> how to teach because mm-hmm. This is this is huge, and we can teach our students, no matter how old they are, right. a little mm-hmm. bit about how they can be a, a, a more healthy human being, and that's uh-huh. not just eating your fruits and vegetables. That's right. You don't have right. to put them up. 
He just <laughs> walked down the hall. <laughs> you don't tell credit for it. Acknowledge that. That's not. It. You have to acknowledge that you did it. Oh, <laughs> Amy, thank you so much. Oh, I love you, Amy. No. Oh, I, I love y'all. And I love what y'all are doing. This is so beneficial for teachers and just people in general. I think it will be helpful. We sure hope they, we uh, sure it's, no. it's helping us. We sure hope it's helping us. I've learned so much. I have. Okay. We have a special section of most podcast episodes and we title it, I used to think, but now I know. So in this section, we examine a common belief in the education world and then we compare it with research today and things like that. And, and we have a discussion. So what we're going to do is apply some of our knowledge that we've learned from you in our I used to know. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. So our I used to think is, I used to think that when students and our own children were acting out that they were just wanting our attention. So like my class clown, my student who always needed um, uh, reinforcement, reinforcement, that they're just needing my attention. But now, what do we have to say to that? We know now that we are, that people in general and children included are seeking connections, whether it's with the teacher or their peers, they're just needing connections. And so it's not acting out. So we need to find out how to connect with them better. Mm-hmm. And how to connect them with their classmates. And then with their classmates, for sure. And I do have to say this because I don't think I said it earlier. That all behavior from children should be viewed as an attempt at communication. What are they trying to let me know with this behavior? Amen, sister. All behavior is a form of communication. And we know that as babies, they're sitting there yes. crying. Mm-hmm. But then when we see a, a student in second grade throwing their shoes, <laughs> we don't see it as communication, but it is communication for sure. Yes. And maybe they just don't know how to pro-socially express what it is that they're needing. Exactly. They don't have the skills, do they? No, we're going to, they have to learn the skills. We have to teach them the skills. Look how much we've learned from you. We have. Look at that. (laughs) Okay. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're great. You You love it. All right. As always, listeners, please share this podcast with others. Make sure you like it and And share it and and follow. (laughs) Make sure you're following us so you can be. Um, in the know about each new episode. We're excited to share our, all our experiences from going around the block with others and being together. We hope that today has helped you in some way. Our goal is to help at least one teacher, help one student, one day, and one time. Thank you, Amy. Thank, Thank you, y'all. Listeners. Have a great week. Okay.